The power of a girl must only rise. We are the wisdom seekers, the commotion stirrers, the society evolvers, and the holders of divine mystery of what will be uttered next from the fruit of our lips. We must plant the seeds and spread as much light as the sound of our voices produce. Girl power is not only a movement of unity, it is a way of life that embraces every girl from every culture, spreading infinite love like confetti. Because girl power originates from love. A love that sparks the passion to be great. Lead. Overcome. Value. Empower. Hello, my name is Kira Fox. And I'm Brianna Haney, and welcome to another episode of Love Girls, the podcast. Awesome. So, Brianna, who is your favorite TV mom or movie mom? Um, I'd say that I really like Joyce Byers from Stranger Things. I've watched that show like 10,000 times. But I really like her because she's like really strong and she just like wants to get everything done. So, I like her. Yes, okay. I couldn't get into Stranger Things because I started watching it when it was dark. And I got oh, yeah. out. I'm not a fan of like scary things. <laughs> but yes, um, let's see. So my favorite movie or TV mom, I'd say, is Angela Bassett because um I don't know, has she been on any TV shows? She was I, I think on so. She was on Black Panther and then she was right. on She was in a lot of stuff, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I know like, she's I, in a show from movies. Right. Yeah. So if you are old enough, who can forget those iconic mother-daughter arguments with the Huxtables? Well, now, wait a minute. Well, I don't understand the problem here. It's my money and my bank account and my name. You're acting like I'm asking you for your money, and I'm not. It's my money, and I can do what I want with it. Are we still in America or what? You see, you're ready to plunge in and buy this car just like you were with that bracelet, the waterbed, and the dead fish. Mm-hmm. And at this point in your life, you can do pretty much what you please because you know in the back of your mind that we're always there to bail you out. We're your safety net. Mm-hmm. You see, we're so good at it. Half the time, you don't even know we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, your father and I accept that responsibility because we're your parents. And you better remember that, young lady. Mm-hmm. Because if you ever take this attitude with us again, you can take whatever is in that bank account of yours and go discover America. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I remember that conversation because I feel like it was very relatable. Well, today we are discussing the top five reasons mothers and daughters argue. Our guests today are Teresa Babers, mother of LGM founder Jasmine Babers. And Carmen Sedlock, an LGM volunteer, mother and mentor. Carmen is currently working on her master's degree in social work. Let's jump right in. So before we get into the conversation today... We're going to have a little icebreaker called this or that. So to get started, we have toilet paper over or under? I'd say over. I've never understood this question. It absolutely does not matter to me at all if it's over or under. I feel like over is more convenient. I don't know, maybe I'm not really a stickler (laughs) about it. Over for sure. (laughs) The next one is pancakes or waffles. Pancakes. Waffles. Waffles. 
the next one, cake or pie? Cake. Pie. Uh, pie cake. for sure. <laughs> I could go the rest of my life without cake. <laughs> Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Netflix. Netflix has a lot more stuff than Hulu, I'd say. Neither for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, coffee or tea? What about for all my techies out there, or virtually anybody that has a cell phone, um, Apple or Android? Android. I'd say Apple. I actually have um, an iPhone um, after years of having an Android, and when it's dead, I'm going back to my Android. Yeah, I heard when people have Androids, they're just like, nah, it's, it's way way better um what about tacos or wings tacos all day i'm sorry y'all I tacos. <laughs> um ice cream chocolate or vanilla chocolate. <laughs> y'all i am torn uh chocolate i really like chocolate i've loved chocolate since i was a baby so i have to stick with that has a chocolate um ice cream flavor called brownie under y'all need to try it it's amazing um <laughs> Pepsi or Coke? Pepsi. Coke. I'm not a pop drinker at all. <laughs> all right, dogs or cats? Dogs. Dogs. But cats can be cute. Um, the beach or the pool? The beach. All the beach. Pool. The beach, as long as it's not the ocean, I, I will look at the ocean, but I will I hate to go in the ocean because all I can think of is sharks. So we are counting down our top five reasons mothers and daughters argue. This is a topic all too familiar to myself, I'm sure. Um, Mother-daughter war number five. This is a classic. Clothing and sexuality. When mom thinks it's too tight or too short to wear to school. Hmm. With my generation now, a lot of us have problems with that. So sometimes stuff can be like really, really tight or it can be really, really short. And I personally think that you can wear whatever you want, but sometimes your mom has to, sometimes it comes to an extent where you have to just like not wear it because it's too short or it's way too tight. So. You know, I just had this uh, conversation with my uh, adult children recently, and, you know, I had a rule that you could not wear shorts to high school. And, you know, um, one of them was like, I don't care if I wear shorts or not. And, you know, the other one, I think it bothered her a bit more. But, you know, the thing was, is that I remember being in high school and getting unwanted attention for what you have on. And I didn't want them to have that experience. But I think if I had to go back and do it differently, what I would do is I would have a conversation about why I didn't want them to wear these really short shorts, which were super popular um, when they were in high school. Um, And I would have given more of an explanation about that. And then I would have probably let them make their own decision. I think it's something that I would do differently today if I was parenting than back then. So as a parent, just like Teresa, um, 
we do have this conversation. I have adult children, but I do have one daughter that is still in my home and she's 15. And she has given me the response of, but I have an awesome body and I look awesome in these clothes. <laughs> Just like, um, so I'm with you, Teresa, when it comes down to, um, so I, I have given her an explanation. Um, I think she does look awesome and I will tell her that. Um, also, I think that, um, you know, we, we discuss like what kind of attention she's looking for. And of course, nobody ever thinks that, uh, well, I don't know for sure that nobody does, but I know that my experience with all three of my daughters is that they aren't looking for certain attention and they just like what they like, um, which I allow them some room to explore uh, their interests, but at the same time, just respectfully. I think for myself, my um my own experience is similar to that of what um, Teresa was um, talking about with her own daughters. My mom was kind of like a no shorts, no go. Um, but I obviously found kind of a way around that because I was an athlete. So it was like I was always layering things with leggings. So I don't know. Weird time in fashion. But um, I don't know. It's uh, I feel like it's a very valid you know, reason for a parent to be concerned about their daughter's attire, but maybe, I don't know. I feel like I definitely spent way too much brain capacity worried about it. Well, Carmen, what's the biggest challenge you have faced with your own mom? Ah, okay. (laughs) So I don't know that there is any one challenge in particular. Um, my relationship with my mother was, um, so I was an abused child and so my mother was my abuser. So every day that we had together was a challenge. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, um, that's a tough subject. And it's, it's kind of, I feel like, um, in my own experience is something that we battle with, um, as women, because, I I don't know about you guys, but you know, it's my, my relationship with my mother is something is a relationship that I, you know, I feel like I covet and I, you know, hold at such a high regard, but you know, when things like, you know, abuse or anything like that kind of come into play, it's, it's really, um, uh, I feel like it's eye opening because some people don't even want to admit that that's, you know, something that they experienced. So I would say that the biggest challenge with having a situation like that is, trying to learn how to be a mother to your own children without that direction or that guidance from your own mother. So learning things, I've been fortunate with the education that I have, Um, you know, trying to put into practice the things that I have learned, but not knowing that firsthand by experience, um, I would say is my biggest challenge. You know, it's it's interesting because I've spent years working in social service agencies with uh, parents who have had um, their children removed from their care, been a foster parent and that sort of thing. And, you know, the thing that I noticed working with the parents is that even when these bad things have happened, at some level, uh, moms love their children. And I think it's very confusing for 
kids because, you know, the abuse is traumatic. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you talk to those parents one-on-one, -on -one, sometimes they just don't have it to give. And so um, having a wonderful relationship uh, with your children is great. I'm really grateful for the relationship that I have with my daughters, but I also understand and respect that everybody doesn't have that. And um, sometimes they get it from other places, from aunts, from grandmas, from mentors, um, and they get that nurturing other places. But I, I do believe that at some level, almost all mothers really love their children. Sometimes they just don't have the resources within themselves to give it. I would agree. I, I, my relationship with my mother today is more like I'm the parent more than she could ever be. Um, we have a different relationship today as, you know, now I'm going on 43 years old and we've had quite the journey to get to where we are right now. Um, but definitely um, one that was a challenge and, um, and it has produced some challenges as a mother to three daughters for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Mother's Day is, <laughs> it's a great holiday, but I think we also have to keep in mind that, you know, um, moms can be a touchy subject for some people. Absolutely. Tis true. That's very commendable on uh, you, Carmen, you know, for trying to perpetuate, you know, a different path for you and your family. And then also, Teresa, that was um, profound because that's I feel like as soon as you said that, you know, compassion resonates with me when I think about, you know, uh, seeing people's own struggles from a different lens instead of, you know, from what you would typically see it from. So um, number four on our list is independence. When does a girl become an adult versus when her mother believes she's an adult off 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 rip? I will say firsthand, I am still not an adult to my mother and I have a child. So <laughs> um, I want to ask, um, I want to ask Brianna, uh, because you're just such at the tender age, you're about to turn 13. At what age do you imagine that you'll feel like an adult? Um, I would say because everybody says when you turn 18 that you're technically an adult. But I would say, I would still say that like when you turn 18, then you can be an adult because you've gotten so mature and you have all of the things that you've like learned from your childhood. So then you are mature enough to be an adult. But with some people, with some of their moms, they may think that they need to be a little older to be an adult just because that's how they think. But I personally think that when you turn 18, you can be like, a full adult and you can go your own ways. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> That's adorable. Um, I don't know if I thought I would be all grown up when I turned 18 or not. What do you, what do you think, Kara? Did you think like 18 was the magic number? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I think there's just such a misconception with adulthood and there's so much, um, it would, I, I wasn't, I'll just speak from my own experience. I definitely was not an adult at 18. I was still fumbling, 
to, you know, part-time jobs and trying to figure out college. And like, yes, I was given the responsibility of being on my own and going to school, but I sought after so much guidance from my mother and from mentors and stuff. And I, like, even to this day, I don't consider myself grown up or having, you know, gotten to an age where I feel like I'm at prime or anything like that. Like, well, this will be my final word on this. I felt like my kids were felt pretty adult-like when they were 18. But, you know, if we're talking about financial independence, <laughs> you still need your parents a lot at 18 when it comes to money. So, and that can be tricky because when you're getting money from people, it's hard to stop that parenting role, you know, because I'm paying your rent. So... Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm sure that there are some people who at 18 are ready to venture out on their own. I definitely was not. Yes, definitely. I, my two older daughters moved out, I think maybe a week or two before they turn 18 and we were able to help them because we have rental properties. So they moved in under our roof in a different house. And uh, with my last one, she's 15. And I think that she thinks she's close to being grown. Um, As far as her, in her mind, I think she's close to being an adult. Um, In my mind, I hope that she is sooner than later. Um, I don't think she's there yet though. (laughs) All right. So, My favorite memory with my mom is probably when we went to the Nutcracker because we both wanted to see it for so long. And I do dance, so it would be really, really cool to go there with my mom. So, yeah, we went to the Nutcracker and we had a lot of fun. So following with that, this question is for everyone. What is your favorite memory with your mom? (laughs) This is difficult. Oh, my gosh. I'm such a kid. My favorite memory (laughs) is when... Um, my sister, my brother and I were like, I'd say six or seven. And I remember we stayed in these apartments in Milan and we had just moved in and we had all like gotten our rooms and stuff unpacked. And then like somehow we ended up on my brother's floor blowing up balloons. I don't know why. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was like 4th of July weekend. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, we, we like started to throw the balloons at each other. My mom was like the main one doing it. And it was just so fun. And like, she just looked like now as an adult looking back, she looked like she was present and she was genuinely having so much fun with her kids. And I was like, man, I want to be like that when I have kids. I do think I have, I mean, you have so many great memories growing up, you know, holidays and birthdays and stuff. But, you know, I remember I was about Brianna's age. And they had a trip to Washington, D.C. at my um, middle school. And it was the eighth grade trip. And I really wanted to go, but I did not ask my family because there was this big strike going on and my dad had been out of work. And um, I wasn't even going to ask because I knew money was tight. So when... uh, people had paid their deposit, they posted a list in the hallway of everybody who was going on the class trip. And someone said, Teresa, your name is on it. 
And I was like, that must be a mistake because <laughs> there's no way that I'm going to get to go on this trip. And, um, you know, later as an adult, when I talked to my mom, she had been saving for something special for herself. And she had taken that money and sent me on uh, this trip. And it was the first time I flew on a plane and just such great memories. Um, but I think that was a real bonding moment for me with my mom. It was one of those special moments where I really appreciated the sacrifices that my parents made just to see me happy. So uh, kind of a sentimental moment for me. I, you know, I didn't really think of one before this podcast, but something had come to mind just listening to you, to you too. And uh, there were moments where she was, you know, before she was cleaning or um, getting ready to cook or something. And maybe for whatever reason, she would be in a, in a good mood. She have music really loud and she loved, she loved Marvin Gaye. She loved, um, a lot of music with soul. I mean, she was a huge Bobby Brown, um, Janet Jackson fan. Um, so there is, I mean, this is back in the eighties and night, early nineties. Um, and I'm thinking of, how much she loved to dance. And those were the moments that I remember that were good, um, where she would grab one of us, you know, and just dance with us and try to get us to dance with her. And, you know, I wish that I had the same moments with my kids that I just don't have the same soul my mom does. (laughs) So anyway, um, but those are good memories of mine with my mom. Oh, those were all really sweet. Um, Let's change gears now to number three on our countdown the times have changed ladies when kids believe their parents are out of touch with times an argument is not far behind should the rules change when the times change Ooh, interesting what do you guys think um, I think I'm more interested in what you and Brianna think. Oh, <laughs> because you guys are younger. I'll let Brianna go because I kind of have an opinion. <laughs> um, so I personally think that when certain things are happening, certain rules need to change. You either need to let them go or you need to put more pressure on those rules. But most of the time, I'd say let them go because I'm the type of person that like when things are hard, I have to do it my way to make it feel like it's going to work out. But with my mom, she likes to be very, very structured and have all these rules. And we just talked about this like a couple weeks ago, but she likes to be structured. And when when times are changing, she has to do certain things to make the times work out if that makes sense so I think that rules should change when times change either by letting them go or by putting more pressure on them I have to say I concur with with Rihanna because um gone are the days where you know like an antiquated way of thinking um you know it's is suffice like like it's it's something that is the norm you know and and I what I'm referring to is our concept of fashion gender roles um 
just life in general. It's like medicine, you know, as, as times change and as new research is found and, you know, clinical studies have been made, um, they adjust like, you know, medications and vaccines and stuff like that. So like, I feel like how we handle and structure our, you know, families and relationships and even how we raise our kids, I feel like all of that stuff should change with the times. It makes sense to me. I don't know. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. Well, I asked my husband this question and he said, absolutely not. A lot of those rules that, uh, you know, uh, we had when uh, we were growing up, <laughs> some young people could use a good dose of that medicine. Um, so I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I I have to be honest and say, though, that um, if I had very young children in my home right now, I would be... I would be doing some some things differently. It's kind of funny. Uh, I remember when I told Jasmine she couldn't have a MySpace page. <laughs> I'm really dating myself and her right now. But she was pretty young. I think she was even younger than um, Brianna at that time. And I just didn't think she needed one. And now, you know, I work with young people in media and I want them on social media. (laughs) You know, I want them to have Facebook pages and express themselves in that way to other people. So yeah, I'd have to say that whether you want to or not, um, times change. So we have to change with it. So the next question I have is what is a rule that you had as a child that you thought was unfair, but now you've changed your mind about it? Uh, I think a lot of the things I thought were unfair, I still think are unfair. <laughs> um, so, um, but, but there, there are things that I, I guess I appreciate some of the rules that I had. Um, my mother was, um, a disciplinarian. Um, I remember one time, you know, I, my chore was to wash the dishes and I didn't do a very good job at it. And so my uh, mother woke me up at like, I don't know, midnight or 1 a.m. And Ooh. all of the dishes were sitting out on the countertop. <laughs> my mom rewashed them all. Um, I never made my kids do that. <laughs> oh, my but, gosh. Wait, I got them out of the cabinet. Uh, yeah, she took all of the glasses and cups and plates, oh, not the pots and pans, and had them out on the counter at like 1 a.m. You know, like, I don't know, like the attitude it takes to even do that. You know, like, I don't even think I have the energy as a parent to even teach that lesson because I'm going to be asleep at 1 a.m., you know. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, I I understand what she's trying to do, but I definitely thought it was child abuse at the time. (laughs) But I I get it, you know, discipline. Like I was upset because I wanted to do something else instead of washing the dishes and the water might've been cold and the cups might've not been very clean. So you take a dirty cup out of there. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) I get it. But yeah, old school parenting. 
I like, Teresa, that you mentioned the word um, discipline, because a lot of my rules were ridiculous that I thought, you know, from my mother. Um, and, and a lot of them were. I mean, she just had the issues that she had. So um, so we got the brunt of it. But, I, you know, I tell people all the time, regardless of um, some of her issues, which I think is um, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Um, that has had given me the discipline that um, actually works for our business and uh, school and other things that I have going on in my life today. Yeah, I'd, I'd say um, folding clothes because I grew up with two other siblings and we would always, my mom would do the laundry, bring the clothes up from the dryer and dump them all on her bed. And she'd be like, okay, come on guys, let's fold them. And I used to think, uh, this sucks, but then now as an adult, if you uh, don't fold clothes that are fresh out of the dryer, what happens to them? They get wrinkly, so <laughs> she was only looking out for us. But yeah, ooh, this is a good one. Number two, relationships. When mom won't co-sign on your friends, the the hated boyfriend or best friend. Wow. Um, that's a good one. I I, I kind of want to hear, though, from uh, Brianna, just being at your age. Um, not that you have a boyfriend or anything, but like... Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> how, does, how does mom feel about friends that... Because I feel like, honestly, moms always have this, like, uh, just this kind of little voice that tells them whether or not, like, a friend is good or bad for us. So how have you ever encountered that with your mom? Um, I have actually, because when I first met my best friend, we both thought differently about her. When I first met her, I thought she was like the best person in the world. And I always hung out with her. But my mom thought that she wouldn't have a good impact on me. Because she her mom parented her different than my mom parents me. And she still thinks that way, but we've gotten, we've all gotten closer. So she'll tell me if she doesn't like my friends because <laughs> she just does, because she wants to see the best for me. There are many, many fake friends and there are friends that will stab you in the back and just friends that aren't really your friends, but they'll act like your friends. So that's a tough topic about certain friends and it, whether your mom likes them or not and whether you should hang out with them and everything like that. Uh, you know, the only thing I'll say about that is that, um, you know, your parents typically love you very much. And if they think somebody doesn't have your best interest at heart, um, you know, it, it, it is frustrating. It, it can be hard to be fair sometimes. Well, last but not least, the number one reason on our list that moms and daughters argue is rules with no explanations. <laughs> Teresa, what do you think about the rules with no explanations? I feel like that would be pertinent for you and your experience, maybe. Well, <laughs> all I could say is I am the queen of because I said so, so I have no defense here. Um, I do that all the time. And um, my best friend always tells me, I think sometimes you should give a little bit more explanation. So I'm working on that. Um, but, you know, it's in my roots. My parents never explained anything. So uh, I try to, 
um, but I'm not very good at it, I'll be honest. And, you know, when you're raised in that way that your parents have your best interest at heart, they tell you to do something, you do it. Um, my generation, we just didn't talk back. Um, but, you know, it's it's a different time now. And um, there is um, there is something positive about young people speaking up for themselves and speaking their mind. And I think it's possible to do that in a respectful way. So I probably changed my mind about this a little bit, but I am definitely a because I said so kind of person. Are you able to uh, project ahead, Kira, and uh, think about whether or not you'll be an explainer or not? I would say I I'm teetering on both sides because currently, you know, I work for I work um, for the King Center and I work with their e-learning program. So I work with kids all the time and basically like I'm, you know, their teacher. So whenever I ask them to do something, I like to just kind of insinuate um, just like a, a logical standpoint. So I'm like partially an explainer, partially like, OK, go do it now. Hurry just stop talking and then go do it. <laughs> um, because I don't know, I, I, I feel like the bond that I have with kids in general is, is kind of informal. Like I'm not really like a, a stickler on, you know, superiority or anything, but I also am like, okay, well, you know, I'm doing this because it, it makes sense to do it this way. So. Um, I know for me, when my mom sets rules, I always have to have her explain them because sometimes I don't get why she makes that rule. And when she doesn't explain, I keep on nagging about it because one, I don't understand or two, I don't like it. So I need an explanation about it. So I feel like if I ever become a parent, I feel like I would probably explain it just because I know that my mom doesn't like when I nag about it. So I wouldn't really like if my kid nagged about rules. So I think I would explain just so they can get an understanding of why you set that rule. Yeah. I, think that's, I think that's very insightful. And I think it is very helpful when our children ask us why sometimes, because sometimes I'm just afraid. And so I'll try to control stuff when there's probably a better way of handling cert certain cert um, situations where, you know, maybe it's, you know, I can give them a little room so they can um, earn trust or build trust or whatever. Um, I mean, there's so many different situations. I can't think of one exactly right now, but um, I'm just saying is that there's sometimes that I know my experiences that I'll have a rule just because I'm nervous or I'm fearful about something without really knowing what it is I'm nervous or fearful about. And so when I'm confronted with a question, it, it forces me to think about it, which I think, just like Teresa said, if it's done um, in respect, I think um, it produces some good content. Yeah, not answering. Uh, Brianna definitely causes arguments, or as you say, more politely, <laughs> nagging. So I think that's a fair number one. So the last and final question, do kids really need to keep their room clean? Off of the bat, I say yes, because when I don't keep my room clean, I just feel just, I feel all over the place because mostly the thing that I don't keep clean about my room is clothes everywhere. So like once I have all of my clothes all over my floor, I'm like, okay, I need to clean up my room. 
Good for you. Now I feel like all my years of nagging to clean your room was worth it. <laughs> I still make my bed every morning. Same. <laughs> the house without doing that. Well, uh, my daughters are adults now, but I do um, uh, foster care and I do require them to make their bed every day. So I'm a little less picky about the room, but I do have them clean it once a week. That's good. I, I'd say, Brianna, once you get to college or, you know, get to seeing your, your friends uh, in their own living situations, it's, it's, it's very telling of their own you know, upbringing and stuff. So definitely keep keep up the good work of cleaning that room. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's about time that we uh, wrap it up, ladies. Thank you to our guests, Teresa Babers and Carmen Sedlock for joining us today on Love Girls, the podcast, because every girl has a story that deserves to be told. <laughs>